Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. We made it to episode 10. Did our old podcast ever have 10 episodes in one season? I don't think we made it that far, did we? No, we did not. This is the first time we've made it to double digits. Let's go. This is big and it's a huge episode today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about right out of the gate. Just want to say no interview. That's going to be a bonus coming out most likely on Thursday as we do with our bonus episodes. So our Bucks interview with the Bucks Believer. That'll be out soon. We'll preview the NF or I almost said NFL NBA playoffs. Going to be a good time coming up. We'll make sure to get that done. My UFC recap is posted. UFC 262 is in the books. My boy Michael Chandler came up short, but what a main event it was. I talk all about it in that review. Just a short 20 minute little recap. Give it a listen, please. I'm begging you to listen to my UFC recaps. Even if you don't watch the product, go ahead, give it a listen. But if we have new listeners, I'm Jordan Lorenz here, and my co-host is the one and only Drew Skyberg. Drew, we've got a packed episode here today. Let's get right into it with a little follow-up from last week. First of all, our interview, Gary Maselli. I mean, what do you think? Good episode? People like it? I think it was a good episode. So far, we really haven't gotten the amount of listeners we thought we would have on the episode, uh-huh. but I still, it's a great, great listen. If you have not listened to it, I highly recommend it. Even if you don't want to listen to the interview, you can skip around. We still talk about it. It's still the same show. We still do our weekly oh, yeah. sports talk. There's there's still some good stuff in it. So I just recommend give it a listen. I think a lot of people were a little afraid when they saw it was 51 minutes and they were like, I don't want to listen to that. The interview itself is maybe 20 of that. It's really not that much. We just didn't go with the modified format. We kind of just changed it up and said, hey, we're going to get everything in. And that's what we did. So a little follow up from last week. Boy, oh boy. Target has announced it will temporarily stop selling trading cards of both the sports and Pokemon variety. And this all started because of something in Wisconsin. Last week, a Target in Wisconsin was locked down after a man was physically assaulted by four others over sports trading cards. I immediately thought of our interview last week. What perfect timing, right? This is terrible, Drew. Yeah, I'm really, this is, this is terrible because we all want our <laughs> sports cards. And you go to, sometimes you just go to these places, you just go to look at the sports cards. And it's, it's a shame now because we, like you said, we just talked about this last week about how they're selling at random times now and you have to come at certain times and now they're not even going to offer those certain times. So mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be quite the issue for uh, many people. Yeah, I saw uh, someone posted a picture of a sign at Target. It says to ensure the safety of our guests and team members. Effective May 14th, and MLB, NFL, NBA, and Pokemon trading cards will no longer be sold in stores until further notice. But I don't know how long they're going to keep these away, but this is a problem right now. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's like not a good funny because this is crazy and not in a good way. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Our Apple Podcast reviews are up to 18, I believe I saw this morning. And I think we have 16 YouTube subscribers. I just put the UFC recap up and I'm pretty sure I saw 16. So we're going up. Things are trending up. That is very, very good. Drew, you're not familiar with this because I just added it to the notes beforehand. But there's a new documentary series out. Do you guys get Vice TV? Do you know if you get that channel? No, we do not. You do not get it. There's this new documentary series called Dark Side of Football, right? And it is a football documentary series. And it looks like all dark stories and stuff that happened. Their first episode was about Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, as a lot of people will know. So they took a dive in their hour documentary series. 
they also have um, Dark Side of the Ring, which is wrestling ones, and that spawned this football one. And there's a few more series that are coming out soon. So I highly recommend. I thought it was a very good episode. Chad Johnson was he was himself during it, and it's just really funny to hear what he has to say. And they looked at his whole story, a lot of guests, a lot of good things. I was a big fan. Dark Side of the Football. MLB The Show 21, I have a little gripe real quick before we get into the episode. So I got the game week, two weeks ago, something like that. And I have noticed, because I have a shortest attention span, right? So like, I want to play Road to the Show as my hitter, and then I want to play one as a pitcher. So this year, they do it where you can be a two-way player, but like, that's not the same to me. I don't want that. So I, you can choose if you just want to be one way or if you want to be a two-way, but I've noticed you can only have one road to the show saved at a time and it completely resets your other one. And even worse, it keeps all the same perks and stats from that other one to your new guy. So unless I'm doing something completely wrong, what I have noticed is you basically, if you restart, you still have all these big stats and stuff. And like, why would you change them anyways? If you have all the ones from your previous, why would you lower them? I don't know. I have noticed this. I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but I absolutely hate this so far. That sounds like something because, you know, you got current gen and now they're all trying to cater to the PS5 and the new Xbox. So now they, they kind of just put the the old or the old gen kind of just like, you know, to the wayside. So uh-huh. that sounds like probably an issue that that's going to occur with that. And hopefully they fix that because I don't have the game this year. And it look it looks great, which we talked about, but it just oh, yes, yeah. I'm I was not a fan so far, and I like never played Diamond Dynasty. I tried to, and I got confused right away, and I backed out. So I'm starting a March to October right now with the Brewers, but we'll see how long I actually last with that. But now we've got an update. Is it? Yeah, you'll enjoy. I it. I like I like snackable things. I don't want to play a full nine inning baseball game. So like when I saw it started at the sixth inning, I'm like. Perfect. This is much better because I have no patience to sit there and play a full nine inning game. But speaking of baseball, we are now doing the stats of the week. We're doing more than just one. And we figured out last week when we had co-winners, I mean, before there have been times where we definitely could have more than one. So we're going to do the stats of the week Two this week, one for high school football. Let's start with this. This is crazy. Fond du Lac and Kimberly. Combined for 1,325 offensive yards, which is a state record. Fond du Lac had 686 yards with 606 of those on the ground. That is insane. And Kimberly had 639 yards, much more balanced, 356 passing, 283 rushing. Drew, sign me up for this high school football game. How can we go to that? I mean, that's insane. Yeah, I wish we could have been there, but I think for Fond du Lac, I mean, with all the rushing yards, when you have a guy like Braille and Allen, you're going to have a lot of rushing yards. I mean, we talked about him in our first, one of our first episodes. He's going to go to Madison. He might be, he might play defense there. He might not even be a running back, and that's that's going to be crazy. And Kimberly's known for their football, as we know, so that, that must have been a great game to watch. Well, did Fond du Lac win? I don't even remember, honestly. I could look I it up. Fondalac we'll figure won. it out later. Probably. That would make sense. But yeah, Fond du Lac, Kimberly, I don't know how that game came together, but boy, oh boy, they obviously didn't play defense in that one. It's like an NBA game. So our other stat of the week, Corbin Burns 
sets a modern-day MLB record, 58 strikeouts without a walk to begin a season. Now, there's another record here with Corbin Burns, and it's Garrett Cole is, like, following him. So that record, have you seen that? It must not be to start a year. It just must be consecutive during a season, right? Yep. Garrett Cole has 50, or he had 52 or something at the time, or 56 maybe even. I don't know. But Corbin Burns holds this record with no walks to start a season. Corbin Burns doing phenomenal. But this man, he has a 2-3 and three record on the year, thanks to absolutely no run support from the Brewers. We'll talk all about it when we oh, get to our Brewers. It is not sadly. fun to talk about. Let's move to On This Day in History. A stacked On This Day this week, and I've got a fun one to round it off, relating back to that Gary Maselli interview. Once again, on this day in 1875, the first ever Kentucky Derby is held as Oliver Lewis aboards Aristides, who wins in two minutes, 37 seconds. 1915, on this day, George Zip Zabel from the Cubs, listen to this, relieves with two outs in the first inning and winds up winning 4-3 to three in a 19-inning game, the longest relief job ever. This dude came into the game with two outs in the first inning and he pitched the entirety of the game, which went 19 innings. His arm had to be dead. I don't understand. Why would, why did he pitch that long? Back then is when everyone threw complete games. So, I mean, there, there was a time where you would throw a complete game each start. So I don't know why you throw 18 and a third innings though. Cause that's more yeah, than just no, the nine inning start that we, we were talking about. That's nuts. That's two full games. This dude pitched unbelievable. On this day, 1939, the first ever televised baseball game is broadcast on NBC, and it's college, Princeton and Columbia. Princeton wins 2-1. to one. I found that very, very intriguing. On this day in 1953, the Yankees and Browns use a record 41 players in a game. The Browns, what were they for baseball? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was the Me St. Louis either. Browns, and then they went somewhere else. Could have been. I don't know. I thought I I thought it was football at first, and then I'm like, wait, no, that's Yankees. That's not football. So I was confused. We didn't do our research, but that's okay. We're not supposed to know everything anyways. On the day in 1969, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh go from the NFC to the AFC. So an interesting little three-team move there. On the day in 1979, get ready for it. The Phillies beat the Cubs 23-22 to with 50 hits. And 11 home runs, 50 hits in a baseball game, Drew. That sounds like a slow pitch softball game for like the <laughs> Bar League. And oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. That is insane. 23 22. Like, yeah, we go to Kenny's tournament and they get hit home run every other time. So on this day, just one year ago, 2020, Michael Jordan's autographed Air Nike One. So the first ones. From 1985, it sell for $560,000 in an online auction. I just included that because of our Gary Maselli interview last week. I mean, that's big money, but I mean, you feel like five hundred sixty grand. I feel like it's a little on the low end for those, but what do I know, right? We're not sure. Let's move into our weekly sports talk segment. We're going to kick it off with our list here. So Forbes came out with the top 10 highest paid athletes. I'm going to go down from 10 to 1. And also on this list, it says how much they made on the field and how much they made off the field. So I'm going to include that because I find that very interesting. Kevin Durant, number 10 on the list, $75 million, 31 of that 
was made on the field. So the dude's making $44 million off the field. What a legend. Number nine, Tom Brady made $76 million with $45 million of that coming on the field. Number eight, Lewis Hamilton, a Formula One racer, makes $82 million with 70 of that coming, and I'm using air quotes here, on the field because there's, I mean, that's different, Formula One. Number seven, my boy, Roger Federer, makes $90 million for tennis. And I'm confused because it says he made $90 million off the field and negative .03 on the field. I don't understand that at all. How did he lose money playing I, a sport? I don't I understand. It's, let's re, it says, out of commission for much of the last year with a knee injury, Roger Federer made nearly all of his $90 million in earnings from sponsorships with brands like Rolex, Credit Suisse, and Uniqlo. The tennis legend's biggest payday yet may come from his stakes in the Swiss athletic apparel company On, which is reportedly eyeing an autumn 2021 IPO. I mean, I knew he was hurt, but you don't lose money by not playing. So I don't I know. Maybe they... Maybe they took into account of him not earning money while playing or something like that. Potentially the money like he earned the year before, maybe. I don't know. That is very odd. Number six is the one and only Neymar for soccer. $95 million. 76 of that comes on the field. LeBron James is number five. $96.5 million. Only 31.5 million of that is on the field. So, I mean, if you're LeBron, you're making 65 million. You don't even have to play the game. That is crazy. Moving on to number four, this blew my mind. Number four, Dak Prescott, $107.5 million with 97.5 of that on the field. And this dude only played like three games last year. Dak. Yeah, we, we talk about a, a, an imposter on that list. He is the one. Every, every one of those guys is like well-deserving and like they have like the accolades, they have the records, you know, and then there's Dak Prescott. We could have done like a whole bonus episode on this list and we would have had like nothing to say about Prescott compared to the others. He just does not fit in an outlier at its finest. Cristiano Ronaldo is number three, 120 million. He made with 70 of that on the field. And then Lionel Messi, number 230 million. So three soccer or football players, are on this list, which I find very intriguing, but soccer makes a lot of money internationally. 97 million Messi made out of his 130 on the field. And then number one, Connor McGregor, the 32-year-old made a hundred million dollars. 158 of that is off the field due to sponsorships. I mean, he's got his own whiskey brand and all that stuff. He only made 22 million fighting from obviously pay-per-view revenue, ticket sales, all that sort of thing. $180 million for that man. That is absolutely insane. Undoubtedly the biggest name in the sport. Let's move on. Let's move to hockey. I just watched the end of the Penguins Islanders game as I got it on the TV. Wild are playing right now, our Minnesota Wild as we record, but no one joined our bracket challenge, but that's okay because I just want to beat Drew straight up anyways. So let's go into this. Let me tell you what I picked here. We're not going to go through every pick. I'm just going to give you my final four and champions. So out of the North Division, I took number two, the Edmonton Oilers. I have them beating Winnipeg in six games and then beating the Maple Leafs, which is a very, very bold pick, but I went with it. And in the East Division, I have the Boston Bruins going through. I have them beating the Capitals and then beating the Islanders 
My pick to beat the Penguins in seven games. That is a bold pick there as well. Down in the West Division, I have Vegas going through. If we get a Vegas-Colorado matchup in the semifinals of the West Division, that is going to be the best series ever. Those two teams have quite the rivalry now in the world of hockey. In Colorado, I saw nine out of 14 hockey experts picked Colorado to win it all. Or maybe it wasn't 14 because five picked Toronto or Tampa, Tampa, five picked Tampa, nine picked Colorado, and then three picked Vegas, I believe, to win it all from what I saw. So I have Vegas going through in the West Division, the poor wild. I can't see him making it out of the first round. Vegas and Minnesota are my two favorite teams because the Golden Knights almost won the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season. I had no choice but to jump on that bandwagon and love them, but we're rooting for the wild here. Then I've got Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Central Division, Tampa Bay, the defending Stanley Cup champs, and I have them going back-to-back. I have the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. That's right. The finals are going to be Vegas and Tampa, and I have Tampa winning it all, Drew. No, no. I got the Boston Bruins winning it all. (laughs) I couldn't tell you who I'll have. I'm not a big hockey guy. I think I actually chose the Wild to win the first their first round, good, which good. might be bold, but I, I did make some bold picks. I, I don't think I have any one seeds really going far. I might have one going to the frozen four or whatever they call it. What do they call it? That's in college, but sure. That's college. What do, yeah. what do they call it for uh, NHL? It, they don't really have a name. I mean, do the NBA, do the NBA playoffs have a name for the final four? No, I just figured that the, that the hockey would, I don't no. know. Hockey's weird. If you say so. Just so you know, though, the Wild are 5-1-2 and two against the Golden Knights this year. The Wild have been hot against this Let's Vegas go. team. Yeah, they. I'm hoping Let's for the wild. best. They have Game 1 will be concluded by the time you're listening to this. Game 2 is tomorrow at 9 p.m. because it's in Vegas, so it's a nice late game. Game 3 is Thursday at 8.30 p.m. And then Game 4, Saturday at 7 p.m. So we got nice late games there on Tuesday and Thursday. 7 p.m. prime time on Saturday, and then we'll figure out if games 5, 6, or 7 are needed. So let's move now from highest paid athletes to NHL to MLB, baby. Let's talk some baseball, and we've got a team that's potentially going to move. I thought this was out of left field, no pun intended. The A's might relocate. It obviously wouldn't happen for a few years, but I'm pretty sure I saw Vegas and Portland. As front runners, I saw something about Portland. Am I wrong for that? No, you are right. So what's gonna what's going on right now is they need they need a new stadium out in Oakland. What it, it's called Ricky Henderson Field, maybe, or the, it's the Odako Coliseum, and it is atrocious. It is the worst MLB stadium. It's been operating since the '60s. It's it's not good. It is outdated. That's awesome tradition, it, baby. Keep it up. It looks horrible, and every every stadium ranking they. Number 30, you know it's going to be the Odako Coliseum or Ricky Henderson Field. It's, it's called both, I've seen. But I think that if they don't get this new stadium, if the city council doesn't help help assist the ownership group in funding this new stadium, I think they're out of there. I think they're going to Vegas because that's the new trend. We got the Las Vegas Raiders. You talked about your your Golden Knights, and I think I think they're the next team on board of that. I, I think Vegas would definitely be the front runner. It makes sense, right? Vegas is becoming a hot spot for all these things. And hey, 
good for them, right? They're pressuring, trying to get the new stadium, and it's not like a new stadium is cheap. I mean, who are we kidding? We're in 2021. That thing is going to be expensive. If Oakland doesn't want to pay for it, they're just not going to have a major league team anymore. That's all there is to it at this point. I think they might go to Vegas, but us saying that means it won't happen. So I guess we should just say they're going to stick in Oakland, right? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Deal. They're sticking in Oakland, but let's talk about a man who just retired out of nowhere. During the year, all of a sudden, Jordan Zimmerman decides to call it quits, hang up the boots, and he's done. Jordan Zimmerman retires as a brewer, the longtime national who got drafted in the second round of 2007. In his career, 95 wins, 91 losses. So, I mean, you want to talk about a 500 guy, he's right there with it. 4.07 ERA, not bad at all, and 1,614 innings pitched. Over 1,200 strikeouts, Drew. Jordan Zimmerman, I know you said you had some stuff to say about him. So let's hear what you got about the Brewer who didn't do much at all. You you nailed the stats. Um, He's an Auburndale, Wisconsin native, as you mentioned. He graduated from UW-Stevens Point. And then, like you said, he got drafted to the Nationals. He had a great great career with the Nationals. And then he signed that that big five-year deal with the the Tigers, I believe, in 2015, 2016. And he was not the same. He was just, his career just, he kept going down and down. And then the Brewers picked him up on a minor league deal. And he made it, we saw he made his debut May 7th. And that was really it. Because then he was going to, he came out of retirement actually to play in that game, pitch in that game. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, like he retired all of a sudden and then just decided to come back and play and then retired again. Yeah, he was retired for like three hours or something. Then they called him up. So then he went out of retirement. He pitched and then he retired again. So very interesting way to end his career there. But shout out Jordan Zimmerman, Wisconsin native, like we said. Great career. Yeah, and it's just good that he got to finish in Wisconsin is all. I mean, that's good for him. I looked 2016 is when he was with the Tigers. And I also Googled Fond du Lac did beat Kimberly in that game, 71 to 47. So that's just insane. That's but imagine only scoring 47 points when you put up over 600 yards. Like that's, that seems a little low. So anything else there? Or should we jump into our brewer talk here? Let's talk some brewers. Well, we don't want to is what we should say, because this brewers team has no offense. They were getting no hit on Saturday. Again, Jackie Bradley jr. Is making all these great defensive plays. Our pitchers are doing tremendous and we have absolutely no runs to back them up. We lose six to one this past Tuesday. Then we won four to one, which was nice to see. Then we lost two nothing. Then we lost six to three. And then we lost five to one. And yeah. today, on Sunday, as we're recording, I just see we're winning five zero. So this team yeah. is incredibly inconsistent. I don't know where it's coming from. But the bigger news out of this is we have a very short week coming up. I'm going to briefly mention this, and then we'll go back. Monday and Thursday off days. It's a two game series against the Royals. And then a series against the Reds on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I like the two off days. I think it's going to fit very well. But, Drew, the struggles with this offense continues, and we have no answer for it. No, we do not. And I'm going to touch on some of the numbers, especially that Cardinals series was so frustrating. You have a chance to, you know, take the lead in the division against the division rival in the Cardinals. And then what the Brewers do, they hit two for 31 with runners in scoring position. 0.065 0.065 versus the Cardinals. Is, and then, I noticed it was low, but I didn't realize it was that bad. It was that bad. And then as a team, they're batting 211. So they're batting like below average for like as a team, which is 
disgusting. I believe they're like 27th in the majors in batting. So like the the a- fire Andy Haynes movement, which he, Andy Haynes, if you didn't know, is the hitting coach on mm-hmm. Twitter is ridiculous. There are there are just accounts that say fire Andy Haynes in their Instagram bio or like it's their, like their it's their name, like their display name, fire Andy Haynes and Brewers Twitter. They're angry. They want change. And I think they're going to get their change awfully soon if it does not, if, if the offense continues to hit like this. Okay, so with that, though, is when I always question how much of that can you actually put on the hitting coach? Like, how much is it really his fault? And how much is it these batters that they just straight up suck? Like, what is the ratio there? Because it can't be as big as all these stupid people think. Yeah, I think certainly a hitting coach makes a difference. But like, I don't I I'm glad you mentioned that, too. I don't think it certainly is the the problem. I think your personnel when you have you have guys who are have history of having strikeout issues like Keston here. I know he's not up Travis Shaw. He's always been a guy who swings for the yard. Daniel Vogelback. He's guy who just like that too. So when you have guys who are not like consistently hitting at the major league level, like consistent, you're going to experience offensive slumps like this as a team. And that's exactly what the Brewers are going through right now. I think, I think they'll get out of it. I hope, I hope they get out of it. It's still early. I mean, brutal. We're halfway through May at this point. It's still relatively early, I guess. Get it out now, right? Let's get this all out of the way. And I saw it Thursday when I was watching the game on YouTube. I hate the YouTube broadcast, by the way, but at least I get to watch them. JBJ, I think it said he was two for 30. And that was on Thursday. And he's just, we know he's not a hitter, but you can't build a team around starting pitching and defense if you don't have any run support. It is a crime that Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns have the records that they do. And Adrian Hauser is his own run sport because the dude just hits bombs. So, I mean, there's nothing left to say about this Brewers team besides they can't hit and they're moving guys down, right? Yelich had a rehab assignment in AAA for Nashville. He played two games and he didn't get a single hit. He walked twice and he struck out twice. So that's not the end of the world, I guess, because it, it's AAA. So whatever. Keston Hira, he's been doing okay. 13 at-bats, four hits, all of which are doubles, which I don't think is good at all because you can't just be all power. You got to have a little contact in you. He walked once and struck out five times. So, I mean, five out of 13 strikeouts in AAA, still pretty high for Keston Hira, which is not I, – I don't think either of these players are doing well in AAA like they should be. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping they turn it around. But that, that Nashville lineup literally looks like a major league lineup. Like Daniel Robertson's on it. D, D strange Gordon's on it. Like guys who are proven major league who have proved themselves in the major leagues as like as backups or like as everyday players are on that, on that team right now. And it's quite, it's actually quite uh, interesting to see to say the least. So yeah, that's, it's almost, that's a good thing. It's almost not even a minor league team. I saw someone say that like this group, if they had like the correct lineup, they could beat like the pirates or something. And honestly, I believe it. Oh yeah. And for sure. And then another thing that's a good news for the Brewers at American Family Field, we got full capacity starting on June 25th. That's exciting. And About then, a month away. Not too, not too long because it's 50% for the remainder of the month, right? Yep. On Saturday, that was the big deal. So that, that, that happened. And then last week, the sausage race is back in the stadium. So how they used to do that, they used to have it on the, on the Jumbotron. You'd watch it. On, and they'd be going, they'd be doing it like outside and it was like either pre-recorded or they're doing it like live from outside. So fans didn't like that. And now we actually get to experience an in-person one. So that'll be interesting. 
And another thing, Jordan, did you see some of the promotions that are starting? I did not. So I'm going to read some off to you, and I want to know what you think. I always love looking at minor league ones, especially when, like, the Timber Rattlers have, like, a Lorenzo Lorenzo Kane bobblehead. The Rattlers on, I think it was yesterday, actually, had a Corbin Burns T-shirt. Maybe it's next week. I'm not sure. But I know, like, there's good giveaways for these teams. So I'm going to read some of them that I think are very interesting. Sunday, June 6th, Hank Aaron anniversary bobble. All ticketed fans get a Hank Aaron bobblehead that day, which is everyone. Everyone gets a Hank Aaron bobblehead. It's 50% capacity still at that point. So that makes sense. Yes. But it's Hank Aaron. I mean, that's going to be a cool bobblehead. And then then that next Sunday, Sunday, June 13th, Christian Yelich, 40 home run bobblehead. All ticketed fans as well. I did see this one. That's, I love bobbleheads. You've seen my basement, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jordan, let's just say Jordan is a bobblehead connoisseur, to say the least. He's got, he's got all this stuff. He's got Fenway dirt. He's got the weirdest stuff. The best stuff. Yeah, he he could give you a tour of it. It's, it's ridiculous. (laughs) We'll do a little bonus for YouTube. And then another one, uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. They, they got some theme night, theme nights. They got peanuts theme night with a Brewers Woodstock bobblehead, but that's a special <laughs> ticket package. And then Saturday, June 12th, they also have a Hawaiian shirt theme night. So you get a Brewers Ooh. Hawaiian shirt. But that's that a sounds beautiful. Package as like well. a button up. Uh, I think it's a, it's a polo. It looks like a Brewers polo. Oh, okay. I don't know if there's a button on it though. But it looks it looks kind of cool. So yeah, if you're that sounds good, fifty percent. So I mean, if people want to get tickets, I recommend it. I was actually just at a game last week. Very fun. They actually won the game. It was the it wow. was game two against the Cardinals. So that was fun. Big dub. It's always good to go when the Brewers win games, I and mean, hopefully that trend moves back up. So let's talk. Well, no, let's actually do our predictions, and then we'll talk a little minor league. We talked about Yelchin here already, but I got a little more stuff first. Let's do our Brewer predictions for the week. As I said, they've got series against the Royals. Just two games. I hate two-game series. There's, there's no point. I mean, we'll probably lose 2 nothing, so it doesn't really matter anyways. But then a three-game series against the Reds. I am now ahead 3-1 to one in the Brewers' standings. I've won the past three weeks after dropping the first. But I will be a nice person, and I will let Drew pick his prediction first. Okay, so I got five games. And look. The, the, the offense has to snap out of it. Yelich is going to be back for sure this week. I'm saying three and two. I always pick them go over 500. They just don't do it for me. They're going to do it this week. And now it's the question of me. Do I stick with the two and three, which like has been solid for the past few weeks, or do I go bold and say four and one? I don't think I can pull myself to do it. Not until they prove themselves. So I'll go two and three. So anything over three and two is a Drew win. Anything under two and three is a me win. I really hope they can go four and one. I mean, that would require them to basically sweep the Reds and win one game against the Royals. It's it's possible. This team played their best when they didn't have Kane, Yelich, or Wong. So, I mean, we relying on Tyrone Taylor, Billy McKinney. We can talk about these boys all day, but they're not showing up anymore. So we're just going to hope that they do better than three and two. But if not, I will gladly take a four to one lead in this Brewers series. As for the Brewers minor league teams, Drew, did you see? The Biloxi Shuckers had a combined no-no on Saturday night. I did see that. I heard uh, Bob Uecker talking about it and Jeff Levering today, or on Sunday, actually. And that was quite the outing. I, I'm not, I catch the names of the guys, but it was oh, I got some big news. All right, let's hear it. 
Ethan Small, Zach Venaro, Nathan Kirby, and Matt Hardy combined no-hit the Mississippi Braves in a one nothing Bloxy Chuckers win. Can you imagine no-hitting and only winning 1-0? Like, imagine that game goes extra innings and they would have lost their no-hitter in the 10th. They had 3,800 people for the Biloxi Shuckers game, so that's good. And it was the first nine-inning no-hitter in the history of the Shuckers franchise and the second overall no-no. So, I mean, hey, good stuff there for this team. They're doing pretty poorly, though, to say the least. They're 4-7 and seven on the year. Tim Rathers are 5-6. and six. Do we have an update on Garrett Mitchell at all? Do we know anything more about him? I didn't really look into it. I don't think we do. No, he's still no. out. Yeah, and then the Sounds are 6-4, and four, so not bad. Sounds over 500, everyone else under 500. I think that wraps up all our Brewers stuff. Anything else? You want to talk some football? Let's talk football. As we said, this is a loaded episode. We've got all, basically all the sports covered. We covered hockey, we covered baseball. Maybe we'll briefly mention NBA, but we've got some high school coming later. We're going to start with football here. The Green Bay Packers schedule is out. Before we get there, I wanted to say, Tim Tebow might be returning to the league as a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sure you've seen this, Drew. It's basically all over the place. He's not officially signed yet, though, but I know there was a lot of concerns about him being a tight end. I think it would be amazing. And he would sign like a one-year deal anyway, right? So what's the risk if he does? Yeah, I think so. And I I just think of his career in baseball, like what what a mess that was. And it's kind of a shame he, he went that route. It, re- it really just it wasted years of his career because when he could have been making this transition to a tight end, but now he spent the trying to hit a baseball, which as we saw, he was not good at, at the uh-uh. minor league level. You got to give him credit for trying. At least he tried to pull Michael Jordan in a way, even though it wouldn't, it wouldn't have even been remotely similar, but still you, you got to give him credit. He went out there and tried and it's not like he did it for one year and quit. And he was out there for a while and he's been an analyst. He's done it all Tim Tebow. So I really hope to see him as a tight end. I know a lot of people were concerned because tight ends are blockers, right? And Tim Tebow, he's tall, but he's not like the biggest guy to block. They were saying how defensive ends would run right through him. And they might be right. They might not be. I don't know. It's not like he's going to play every single snap as a tight end anyway. So we're just going to have to see. But the Packers, boy, oh boy, they signed Blake Bortles and Kurt Benkert. The Packers signed two quarterbacks. They went from having just Jordan Love signing two more and I have to say this concerns me a little bit yeah I'm with you I think that if with this signing we don't know the fate of Aaron Rodgers and that's always been a question but this kind of solidifies that hey they're they're ready in case if he's leaving they got people who will step in and take his job because I'm assuming this means that Jordan Love probably will not be ready for for next season is what this means, which is kind of a bummer because you trade up for Jordan Love and then you don't even start him when Rodgers is gone, if he's gone. Yeah, I think the whole thing's confusing because like we get Blake Bortles, who you would have to assume is going to start over Jordan Love. And then we get Kurt, who's obviously going to be the third string. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I still don't know if they don't have enough faith in Jordan Love or they just don't think he's ready fitting into the system. And he had a whole year with Rodgers last year. It's it's concerning, to say the least. So let's take a look at their schedule now. They start on the road, September 12th. Also, I noticed they have a lot of 325 games, which I hate. I like noon games. They have a lot of 325ers. They're starting September 12th, Saints on the road at 325. Then they host the Lions Monday night, September 20th. 
then that week after, they traveled to San Francisco to play the 49ers. That is a Sunday night game, 720. They host the Steelers on October 3rd, 325. Then they traveled to play my boy Joe Burrow. They're at the Bengals on Sunday for a noon game on the 10th. On the 17th, they play the Chicago Bears on the road. Weird one here on October 24th. They host the Washington football team, which is interesting. And then they play Thursday night against the Cardinals. That'll be a fun Thursday night game on the road. November 7th, the big game on the road, Packers versus Chiefs. That's a little birthday present for me, a little early one. Can't wait for that. Then the next week, they host Seattle, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson. That'll be a big matchup. And the week after, travel on the road for the Vikings. Then they get two home games in a row, hosting the Rams and the Bears. Their bye week isn't until that because they have they play November 28th and then December 12th. They have a late bye week this year because there's not two bye weeks, right? They added a game, but it's still one bye week. One bye week, yep. And then on the road on the 19th of December, a noon game at Baltimore for the Ravens. I cannot wait. Christmas Day, the Green Bay Packers are hosting my boy Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. That is going to be epic. Christmas Day football in Green Bay. I can't wait. On Sunday, January 2nd, Sunday night game as the Packers host the Vikings. And then finally, on the road for the last week as they play the Lions. I mean, a lot of things standing out here. They play the Browns on Christmas, which I love. They play Joe Burrow, a random game against the Washington football team. They start off the year hot with the Saints. They play the Chiefs. They play Mahomes and Russell Wilson in back-to-back weeks. This schedule is kind of all over the place, but there's some tough matchups on the year, especially if we don't have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I agree. I think... I think that Christmas game is going to be the best game. That Thursday night against the Cardinals is going to be good too. Those two are the two I'm looking forward to. And I'm just talking about football. I just get really excited because fantasy football is going to be back. We <laughs> love fantasy football. We're going to do a podcast fantasy football too. We're going to have a league oh. for oh, the yes. podcast. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think everything is going to go well if we have Aaron Rodgers. If not, they obviously scheduled some marquee Thursday night, Sunday night games, thinking it's going to be Rodgers from Mahomes, Rodgers versus this, Rodgers versus that. And if it's not, no one wants to see Blake Bortles playing the 49ers. I mean, this could go south, and uh, who knows, because they like to change things too. So all of a sudden, they might change a Sunday night game to Sunday at noon. We're just going to have to wait and find out. That's basically everything for our football. I mean, briefly, I guess I could mention Devontae Adams. He said he's not really happy if the Packers get rid of Rodgers and his career with the Packers might be imagine if we lose Rodgers and Adams like think about that for a minute I don't want what, to what would happen I, I just Blake Bortles to Alan Lazard Blake Bortles <laughs> to Marquez Valdez Scantling who drops like, it yeah it would be horrendous I, this I don't would go from that. a Super Bowl contender team to a New York Jets style season fast and we still blew all our money resigning Aaron Jones, which didn't make sense. This team is wild, wild. No pun intended as I'm watching the wild right now, but let's go to basketball, right? High school basketball might have a shot clock in a few years. Shot clock allowed by state adoption for high school basketball in 2022, 2023. So beginning with that season, a 35 second shot clock will be permitted in high school basketball games by state association 
adoption, a proposal for a national rule mandating a shot clock was not approved. So this would be a state by state thing, which I kind of hate because if it's not everywhere, why would it be just in one place? I feel like that kind of messes up recruiting a bit, but 35 second shot clock. We didn't talk about this beforehand. So I'm dying to hear your thoughts. I'm on board. hundred percent. This needs to Thank happen. You. I've, I've seen basketball games where when you have the ball with two thirty left, you're, you're up two possessions. I'm just going to wait this thing out a minute and a half. And I've seen it at the in girls varsity. I've actually, I've seen it boys varsity. I've seen my own team Valders do it before. And it, it bothers me as a fan. I think this needs to happen. And 22, 20, 22, was it 2022 to 2023 is yeah. the first year. I hope that happens soon. I know the main concern though about this is because you said it's going to be state is going to be enforced. If the WIA were to enforce this, the main issue is going to be the, the cost of installation of these said shock blocks to each school, because some schools are going to be like, I don't want to pay for this. And then there's going to be disagreements over who has to pay for what. And I hope that doesn't happen because we need this. I never even thought of that. Like that didn't even cross my mind, but yeah, that makes total sense. And if it's approved in the state, there's no way it wouldn't be in every school because it kind of has to be right. But I, the money thing, yeah, that's a big factor. Didn't really think about, and it's not just girls games, like you said, too. I mean, sometimes girls might hold a ball for four minutes, but still guys are doing the same thing, especially with two minutes left, like you mentioned, two, two and a half, even a minute. I don't want to see a team hold a ball for the final minute of the game when they're up by four. I want some action. I want them to force up a shot and miss it. And we get a fun game down the stretch. Shot clocks make everything better. Like they make random plays in the second quarter exciting because you just got to get that shot off and it's a banked shot that no one should have made. I think shot clocks are great. There's no reason not to have one in high school. I don't know why they wouldn't. And it's taken this long and we might see a shot clock in every state, but Wisconsin, for all we know, it's money too comes into factor. So obviously bigger schools wouldn't really have a problem with it, but yeah, I mean, let's go, let's go, let's go. Patrick Baldwin is heading to Milwaukee. I mean, this is just, I was in a way shocked, but in a way I expected it. I don't know. I really didn't know what this man was going to do, but it seemed like not the easy way out, but the smart move almost to stay with his dad, head coach of Milwaukee. This Drew just made you go from zero Milwaukee basketball games to every single one. And as you you guys know, I'm even wearing, I'm wearing a Marquette sweatshirt right now. I am a big Marquette basketball fan, but I'm going to UW Milwaukee but I'm certainly going to go to their games now because when you get the highest rated recruit to ever go to the rising league and the number four recruits in the class of 2021, you got to go to games. Like, and I plan to go to a few while I was at UWM, but when they get Patrick Baldwin jr, you got to go to everyone, every single home one I plan to be at now. I hope I, I hope that's how it works, but from Hamilton High School, Patrick Baldwin, he's an absolute stud. Like you said, his dad's the coach at Milwaukee. And rumor had it, his dad was actually on the hot seat for a coach at, at, at Milwaukee. So I'm I'm pretty sure this solidifies that he's going to be there next year. But yeah, if, imagine they fire him now when his kid signs. That would be terrible. Well, I've seen rumors that if Patrick Baldwin were to choose Duke or Georgetown, who are the other two final finalists in the, the running for him, that if if he were to commit to one of those schools, his dad, Patrick Baldwin, was was out at Milwaukee, was what that, I saw. And Imagine uh, firing someone because a five-star recruit is going to Duke instead of UW-Milwaukee. Like, think of how crazy that sounds. 
And think of how crazy it is as a player choosing to go to UW-Milwaukee over Duke. Like, I understand Duke is down, and it's, but it's like the biggest program. He's going to stay with his dad. You know that entire offense is going to be run around Patrick Baldwin. His dad knows him. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. I think it's going to be perfect. Maybe not first year. They won't do too hot as they take some adjusting to get up. But boy, oh boy, that is huge for Milwaukee. Anything else there? Or should we do well, this I'm trivia? Worried. I'm worried about Patrick Baldwin because – Patrick Baldwin Jr. He's going to be a lottery pick. I think he's going one and done. I think we only give him a year at Milwaukee, but I'm going to enjoy that year while it lasts. Yeah, it really just depends how he does the first year is all. I mean, that's up in the air because if he does extremely well, you know he'll be gone. But if he kind of middle of the – you know what? Even if he kind of goes middle of the road, he might go still. So, yeah, I guess possibly one and done. Most likely one and done. We'll have to see. It's going to be a fun year of college basketball next year. Should be full stadiums and stuff right I see no reason why it wouldn't be at this point NFL they're trying to get full stadiums as well so good stuff all around that was our lengthiest weekly sports talk segment segment to date but it was worth it we had a lot of stuff to talk about you missed trivia last week let's do it this week the final part of season one of trivia we're gonna have 50 total questions now to round things off right now 26 of 45 Drew Skyberg that is how you were doing in trivia Let's go 5-0 and right now. This is grab bag, okay? So all the questions are about years. It could be years of this, years of that. I mean, it's all random stuff, right? But I give you three options for every single one. So it kind of helps out a bit. Question one. When did the Bucks win the NBA championship? 1971, 1974, or 2000? 1971. That is indeed a correct answer. It's been a while since those Bucks have done well. And now our next question, we're going to stay in Milwaukee. What year did the Milwaukee Brewers debut? 1955, 1964, or 1969? 1969. That is a correct answer. Two of two to start. I'm liking this. We're going to stay in Milwaukee. When was Marquette's first basketball season? Is it 1948? 1933 or 1916? 1916. That is correct. Three of three to get things going. It's been a while since you started out three of three. We're moving from Milwaukee to Green Bay now, all right? When was Lambeau Field built? Was it 1957, 1950, or 1938? 1950. Mm, No. Sir. 38. It was 38 then. No, it wasn't. It was 57. Yeah. It, it was, was indeed. Yeah. 1957. It, I thought it was older than what it is, but oh well. Oh well. You're three of four to start. Now, this last one, it's not Wisconsin related. It's just MLB in general. What year was the number 42 retired in Major League Baseball? We talk in 1985, 1993, or 1997? 1997. That is right. Four of five. That is a good way to round things off. And it's actually perfect. You're 30 of 50 in trivia. That's a nice, easy number that I can convert to 60% overall in trivia season one. So, I mean, trivia season one was stacked. We had the EWC trivia with uh, Robert Chimmick. We had March Madness on that episode. We did the NFL draft trivia as a bonus. Now we did Crab Big, college mascots level one, two, and three. 
all-time NBA statistics, NFL MVP winners, and Green Bay Packers 2020-21 season. That was a wild, wild thing of trivia. 30 of 50, not awful, right? I mean, mascots, like we said, really, really brought that down. You want to go over season two again, see what we got? Yeah. Coming up for season two, a little refresher for all of you who aren't fully aware of what we said season two is going to be. Maybe you forgot, but how could you forget the first category, sports balls? That is going to be fantastic. Category number two, video game cover athletes. Category three, all-time MLB statistics. We did NBA, now we're doing MLB. Now we're doing NBA MVP winners. We did NFL, now we're going to do NBA and grab bag returns, and it is all about arenas. So I kind of asked about a few, but we've got more stuff coming up in that grab bag arenas, one of which I should change because it's about Lambeau Field, and it's pretty similar. So I might have to change one of those, but we're going to figure it all out then. I mean, so hyped. Trivia, best part of the show, maybe. Some say it is, some say it isn't. I don't know. Either way, we always love to end our show on a fun note. Anything else? Are we wrapping this thing up? That's all. Make sure to listen to Jordan's UFC 262 recap. It's an excellent episode. And then also keep keep a lookout on for our Thursday bonus episode with the Bucks Believer himself. That'll be a great show. All right, that's all I got. Should be fantastic. June 2nd, don't forget, Summer Sports Spectacular 2005 football championship. It was, right? Yep. And that is coming soon. June 2nd, just weeks away at this point, we will release... A full schedule coming up. We did the wheel right after, so we know all 10 episodes, what they're going to be, and we think the plan is those are going to be on Wednesday. But like we said, we will give all those details coming up. I mean, that's a mere two weeks away, two and a half weeks away at this point, the first ever Summer Sports Spectacular. I am excited. I am ready to go. You can follow Drew Skyberg on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, MySpace, YourSpace. Follow him on everything possible. Just do it. Please do it and follow me on Twitter, JordanLaw underscore PXP. Thank you all for listening to episode 10 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.